It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 112 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Dryav, your host, my co-host, the Holyfield Brain Function to my Triller main event, Nick Braccia. Good to be on with you after a couple of weeks off, buddy. How are you? I'm doing deliciously, Stan. I'm happy to be here with you, the man who throws the hottest fondue parties in Union City. I don't think I've ever been a part of a fondue party on any end, but Nick, if you're going to label me as I like, the hottest fondue party host, I'm not going to say no to it. I like that you're trying to play it off because you don't want a lot of people showing up. That's smart. <laughs> that's, what, that's what people do. you got to tell them the password. It is a very, very exclusive list. Nick, you've never been invited. I'm not sure how you're even aware of this. Is it because I got, you've a, been lot tr- of co- I got a lot of costumes, buddy. I've been there. You haven't even noticed. Oh, it's like that. Good for you, You get You get... So drunk on wine coolers, you don't know who's in your house. Speaking of being drunk without a good explanation, what are your feels on this whole Holyfield main eventing uh, that Triller fight card against Vitor Belfort? You know, as I tweeted earlier, there's so many reasons not to watch it. I'm having trouble picking one. So, wait, wait, you're saying there's so many reasons not to watch it. You're not going to watch this? No. Oh wow! Well, first okay. of all, first of all, you have to pay. You have to pay for it. I'm not paying for that. Um, and I mean, if there's if I get a link, I guess. But I mean, first of all, gross. Nine eleven and true. That is where you know piece of shit. Piece of shit. Donald Trump's going to be there. It's like he's getting paid to be there, so he's classy. I guess there wasn't a there wasn't a Papaginos opening up in the uh, in the area of Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> so um, so he'll be at the Triller fight. You've got. Just a we, you know, weird undercard. I do think, I do think that there's the chance, and I'll watch the the highlights of this, that Anderson Silva uh, puts on a pick apart clinic against Tito Ortiz, who is who has never had good boxing. He's had the most perfunctory boxing. I don't think he's got much speed or even for his size particularly good reach. Although I'd have to look at that. Um, you know, he he clipped a few people stand up but Tito Ortiz was a gra- was a was a ground and pound finisher. He was not he was not someone who would stand in the pocket um with with seasoned boxers. And Anderson Silva's a pretty good boxer. <laughs> like so like even for boxers he's a pretty good boxer as he proved against a not terrible but not you know not uh peak or main level guy and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So I expect Anderson Silva to embarrass uh, Tito Ortiz. But aside from that, this main event seems very irresponsible and dangerous. Chael Sonnen, not always reliable, but, but pointed out that in throwing throwing one, two, threes on the media day, that in, in throwing his hook and in stepping forward, that Holyfield continuously looked like he was unable to keep his balance even hitting focus mitts and that he was, and that he was, he was falling a bit. Um, I think it's super dangerous. I don't know if a fix will be in. I don't know if there's a gentleman's agreement to, to make it look good and pull punches. I just expect it to be an embarrassing shit show that um, it gives the sport. Listen, there's a lot of things right now giving, giving the sport that, that we love that we often have to defend. It's becoming indefensible. 
um, things going on with pay and Dana White's response to that are making it indefensible. These these events that Triller's doing, which are somewhere between bump fights and celebrity boxing events, um, are making it very they're making it kind of indefensible because you've got the same people, people who were champions in the sport that we love recently, very recently um, involved in these clown shows. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it went from being kind of a curiosity. Let's, let's, let's hope that the YouTube star gets beat up to like, like really, really you've got Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, Tito Ortiz, all guys who held UFC gold. Um, after Tyron Woodley, another guy who held UFC gold, uh, participating in these events, it's just like I know not everyone is is as articulate as Michael Bisping and Daniel Cormier and Paul Felder, and can earn and can you know earn a living when they can't compete at the highest level anymore. But like, there's got to be something, something to do to earn a paycheck in between uh, their career and this. And of course, uh, the fact that they're not compensated what they should have been is an issue but also the people that we're talking about they haven't been on the we're not getting paid enough you know we can't eat or feed our kids level like Vitor Belfort, Tito Ortiz, Anderson Silva, Tyron Woodley um these are people who got you know who got paid um so it's obviously it's obviously leaving a a, uh not saying they got paid exactly like exactly what they were owed I'm just saying this, it, I'm just saying this all feels very, very unfortunate to me. Anyway, I went on yeah. for a while, but it's it's just it's just ugly in, in my estimation. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I don't mind the co-main event at all. I think Tito Ortiz versus Anderson Silva is a no, compelling oh, matchup. Co- I don't I don't mind the I don't mind the co-main event. Yep. Is, yep. As a, I don't I think that I think that an athletic commission being cool with that co-main event is is fine by me. Yeah. Same here, but, but I agree with you like, about the main event. It, it's just like the a main, weird... but the main event so is so egregious. Yeah, it's um, so bad, Nick, that they had to move Ugh. it from. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's Vegas or California, but they had to move the event from the it West California, Coast. I believe. California, and the All California the way... Commission has always been, I think, tougher than the Vegas one. But totally, it's. I mean, Evander Holyfield is. It's just like I, I know people throw on legacy, and it's a, it's kind of a bullshit idea. But the, the fact of the matter is this: Evander Holyfield, through the late through the late 90s, was a supremely talented Olympic caliber cruiserweight who also like performed way way beyond what his body should have been able to do at heavyweight against against you know at a time when they were very very good fighters. Um. And he was in some he was in some serious wars with Riddick Bowe, with Mike Tyson, um, you know, with Foreman. Like it goes it goes on and on. The guy the guys that he fought, and like just retire. I'll contribute. Start a GoFundMe. Like don't fucking get in there against the juice head, you know, a juice head psycho. Like it's just I think I don't know. I just have a I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, watching Holyfield just get ready for his um, public workout. It, I mean, it looked it looked pretty bad. Like he looked like he was getting stretched like a geriatric man in his sixties, and he's darn close to it age wise, right? But if you look at him just standing there from across the room, you you would think like, oh, that is a very he looks fantastic. Shape. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm sure they had the sheen on him. They shaved him down like 
he like there 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 are optics and things happening to orchestrate this. But no, no matter how you push it or squeeze it or insert your stupid fucking metaphor cliche here, um, on like on the scale, I mean his face and his disposition concerned me, but his upper body, his musculature, he's he's a man who's who's still you know appears to be physically fit. Now again. We know that because of various substances, and he's had cardiac issues, you know, previously that he that he thinks were were you know cured by by a preacher. If I remember correctly, he like fainted on stage, and then when he came to, the hole in his heart was gone pre, pre, before oh, the wow. Tyson fight. But I didn't um, it was like that. Yeah, there were, he, no, he was he was supposed to be retired because he had a a heart defect, um, which may or may not have been steroid connected. I honestly don't know. Before he fought Tyson, people were worried about his health when he went into the first Tyson fight. They I thought didn't Tyson was going to kill him. Didn't know. 1996 or 97, people thought Tyson was going to murder him, and he and he did and he did well. Like 95 or 96, and um, yeah, and he won. So he's I mean, he's an amazing human being, an athletic specimen. He's just 58 years old, and he's gotten hit in the head, you know, tens of thousands of times. Yeah, I mean, uh, there it definitely appears to be some CTA shit, and I don't want to diagnose somebody from a YouTube video, but it, it does not look good with the way that you're right. Balance wise, even when he was punching, he was punching about halfway with seemingly the pad holder doing more of the work and it didn't look good anyway. On top of that, he genuinely seemed off balance. Not necessarily. I didn't necessarily notice it as much when he was punching. I noticed it when he was done and he was just walking around. He just seemed to have multiple times. Ha he had to catch his balance as if he was like pretty tipsy at 2 a.m. coming back from a club. So definitely, he could definitely be fucking with everybody. Could I, be fucking I with everybody. But the fact it. of the matter is, that's not his style. That's not. Evander Holyfield was nope. never that kind of a showman. He is a. He always presented himself as a and behaved as a southern gentleman. Absolutely. Of of, of manners and dignity and and uh, you know like like you would want any professional sportsman to behave. He never. You know, I mean, people could say he was dirty in the ring with headbutts, things like that. I'm like. I don't know. He was, he's smaller, and those things happen. His head, his head. Was Come on, he was dirty in the ring with headbutts against the much smaller Mike Tyson. He, he was dirty with headbutts, but that's part of the boxing game. You get away yeah. with it. You get away with it. Yeah, it's right, right. Um, uh, but but you're right. He he he's not the kind of guy to put on an act like this, especially with the risk of the athletic commission um, not regulating the fight. And and naturally, this is Florida, so I don't think we'll have any issues there. Um, I think they could have put any kind of matchup in Florida. Like no, there's like we're gonna find out that like David Hay fell out, and there's a one-eyed alligator fighting on the card. I would not be terribly shocked. Uh, but here's the thing about Vitor: he's back to TRT Vitor, right? So he's got like the testosterone. He of, looks he looks pretty thick again. He does, man. He looks muscular again. He looks explosive and quick. Um, he looks like he was in his best form back when he gave John Jones the fight of his life. Uh, I don't think he's quite. I don't think he's quite there. I think he's somewhere between his. His 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 Usada UFC fights and like Mohawk Psycho like takeaway Bisbing sight Belfort. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's I think he's between. Uh, I I agree with you, but like that Mohawk Mohawk Psycho like could beat anybody on the planet on any given day easily, right? So like being and just pretty, a, yeah, and pretty a much level and pretty much below did. that isn't so bad. Exactly, being just a level yeah. or two below that isn't so bad. So definitely he's a he's a favorite in my book, but at the same time. What if for some reason Holyfield really has been training because he apparently has been wanting to do a boxing match? Maybe he has been training. Maybe he's in decent shape. Maybe he has that like like lifelong athlete cardio that Vitor never had. Maybe he gets through the first two rounds and then Vitor's looking like Vitor, you know, post TRT and and 
somehow Holyfield ends up getting a pretty I, terrible I'd decision. Love, I'd love to be wrong. Yeah, me, me to too. Wrong. I actually got a chance to place a, a bet. It was only $50 back when Vitor was the underdog when it first came out because I had seen an interview with Holyfield. I think I saw footage of him showing, if I'm not mistaken, whether it was Tyron Woodley, I'm not sure, or uh, Jake Paul basically showing him some tips in the last few months. And I remember thinking like, wow, that is a really old man and the way that he moves and the way that he speaks. And so when this matchup first came out and Vitor was the underdog, I was like, motherfucker, yes. I only put 50 bucks on it, but I expect to profit off of that hopefully and now the odds have naturally gone in the opposite direction but Nikolai enough about that I mean uh, I agree with you just real quick about Anderson Silva I think he he's a much more technical fighter the thing is that Anderson Silva weighed in at 192 for a, a, a bout that was supposed to be 195 and Tito Ortiz opted to miss weight by five pounds he weighed in at 200 pounds and I wonder how much of a factor that could be, be Let's face it, I Tito mean, was coming off of a win over and and a decrepit MMA fighter of old who was considered pound for pound number one at some point too and 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 was a great striker or considered a great striker anyway. And he just ran right through him because he just could not take wait, his which offense. Fight? Which uh, fight was Chuck Liddell. Oh, yeah. I realize there I are mean, different points. I get it. Like, Anderson Silva's coming, <clears throat> coming off an impressive uh, boxing win and – you know, Chuck Liddell was coming off of basically full retirement for many years uh, after, you know, after a really rough go in the UFC. I have but yeah, two, was... I have two, there, I have two things that, that I want to say quickly about that. Um, Tito was never fast. He never had fast he hands and slow. he's got, and he's going to have on heavy and he's going to have on much bigger gloves, gloves that are what two to three times as big. Yep. Um, so he's going to be, so he's going to be slower and his arms are going to get tired. Um, and one of Anderson Silva's greatest assets as a fighter was his head was his head not only his his management of range but his head movement. Yep. So I, it, you know, and Tito was never necessarily known for his power. Um, so I mean, he not, yeah, he caught he did he did catch Ryan Bader with that you know with that shot. I just I think Tito's going to do a lot of. Uh, I think he's going to try to wear him down. I think he's going to try to hang on him. But I think that uh, I think Anderson's should have a better gas tank and should should be able to should be able to stick and move. Frankly, he should be able to stick and move for the duration of this fight. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about that matchup. I'm I'm right there with you. There's a chance that Tito lands a bomb because he does have some power if he lands, but the odds of him landing enough in order to make that happen in an eight-round bout is not super high. I would have been way more confident in Anderson had Tito actually depleted himself enough to make. 190 pounds. Um, he didn't do that. So, so here we are. Uh, or I'm sorry, 195 pounds is actually where they were going to meet uh, in between their their two respective divisions. He got down to 200, I believe. So he did. Uh, yeah. So so there was, there, it was there hilarious. Was, so did you see did you see the way where the towel guy fucked up and Tito's dick was on TV? I did not, and I'm rather glad I didn't. I'm glad you mentioned that, Nick. Nick, let's uh, quickly talk about the Brunson versus Till main event from uh, it was basically a week ago. So, I mean, I was super confident in Derek Brunson for multiple reasons. Likewise, yeah. And, and yeah, we, we didn't get a chance to break this down for our listeners. But, I mean, Darren Till just, like, he's not that great. If you look at his career, he's he's beaten, he starts a couple of guys, right? But he was 1-3 going into this bout, and his losses were to Tyron Woodley. And, by the way, Tyron Woodley's last win uh, in, in, like, in the last seven fights uh, George Masvidal, which is you know, which is a, an understandable loss, although George Masvidal, a former 155er, and till now at 185, and then Robert Whitaker, which is totally understandable. It was somewhat of a competitive fight because Whitaker was coming off of that loss to Israel Adesanya, and yeah, till dropped, till dropped him. 
Until dropped him with an elbow in the first round. He did a counter elbow, but outside of that, right, the Stephen Thompson fight, he didn't deserve that decision win. uh, That decision, the Donald Cerrone fight, he, you know, he stars him, but this is Donald Cerrone, and we know where he is in his career for the last several years. Um, Nicholas Dalby took him to just a war of a decision back in the day, and outside of that, he's beaten a bunch of scrubs, essentially. So going into this battle, I was very confident. Derek Brunson being the bigger, stronger man, Derek Brunson being a good wrestler until giving up a bunch of takedowns throughout his UFC career, uh, Derek Brunson having some power on his own, and, and let's face it, it was a switch-step, left-handed, left-cross that worked for uh, Masvidal to knock out Till. So I was super confident, especially with Till coming off of that broken collarbone from about four or five months ago. It takes about four months to heal and rehab and get to where you need to be before you start a full training camp. And he didn't have enough time to do that. So I was confident it worked out about how I expected, although I did expect Till to last the decision. Till basically kind of gave up. I don't even think Derek Brunson had that choke fully in. So definitely disappointing for Till. I, I don't see why everybody keeps insisting that he's championship material. He's not. He never was. He never will be. I know he's 28 years old. There's a chance he turns his career around, but he's not the Michael Bisping. He's not the Charles Oliveira uh, of the UFC. He's just not that kind of guy. Not mentally and really not physically, if you ask me. I think, you know, I compared him last week when we were talking. Um, I know we haven't been able to record a show in a bit, but um, to Kevin Lee in that, you know, overhyped, underperformed, but also guys who I can't help but wonder if there if there were tweener weight classes, if they would have more success. If it, if there was a 175, or you know, would that would that make a lot of sense for Darren Till? Would he be successful there? If there for Kevin Lee, if there was a 160, um, you know, or a 165, you, would they be successful? I do see them both making. Uh, plenty, you know, plenty of mental mistakes, and yeah, Till is, you know, he's not, he's not very old, but he, um, he, la- he lacked in this fight what Derek, Br- Derek Brunson has gained in his ten, ten years, ten years uh, of age, oh, that he has over Darren Till, um, which is, which is patience uh, and, and composure, and I think self, you know, in, in self belief, Derek Brunson used to be much like Kevin Lee to a lesser extent there until a fighter who snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, he did it against the Romero. He did it against Anderson Silva since he started training with, and he's, who's he with Sanford or for, no, he's with, he's what's that's the uh, Henry, Henry Hoof's gym. Yep. That's is, Sanford uh, MMA. Yeah. Sam, so since he's moved to Sanford, like I'm not, listen, I still think that Adesanya is a really, really bad matchup for Brunson. But I want. I, I'm curious. I want to see it, and I'm not convinced. I wouldn't pick Derek Brunson to beat Robert Whitaker. Um, he's got the tools, and he took before he was able to finish that fight. Brunson took a lot of took damage. He was taking some pretty serious damage. He was rocked, and he 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 went from being rocked to finishing the fight in record time because in hurting him, Darren Till lost more composure than Derek Brunson did in being the one who got rocked. Yeah, no and, uh, and I think that's, I just think that's a really important point and, you know, good for Brunson. Nice, nice to see a guy who we thought was going down that, you know, the Kevin Lee, Michael Johnson, kind, you know, inc- like great skills can't kind of always put it together. Uh, sort of unfortunate result. And instead he has thus far, in a pretty good division, uh, like you know, ex- ex- t- stepped up and taken the challenge, and 
he should like I don't I'd I'd love to see him get the shot against Izzy. Probably more likely he has to fight Cannoneer. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it should be intriguing which direction that goes. But I mean, at, at this point, if I think he's doing the right thing, demanding a matchup with Izzy, um, given their he's history. He's 37, 38 years old. This he, is the I time. Mean, what else he's is on he? a win streak, right? Like, who else in the division outside of Robert Whitaker is more deserving at this point? I can't think of anyone. So definitely there with you. I, I, I think he's earned that matchup. And if not that, then it's got to be a, a title eliminator, eliminator matchup against uh, another top contender. Um, I just feel like Derek Brunson's done his due diligence. He's he's done all the work. Um, he's If he can't beat Izzy Adesanya now, he can never do it. And this is his chance, man. I'd love for him to realize, you know, or at least get the opportunity to realize his dream. Yeah. Um, outside- they may, they may have him. They may make him. If not Cannoneer, they may put him in with Costa. Um, but I would pick Brunson to win that fight. You would pick Brunson to beat Costa. It's uh, that's fast. That, that's that's interesting. It, it depends because Costa seems to have gone off the rail. So you're probably right. I'd probably give Brunson a slight edge. But we've seen Brunson get rocked a few times, and Costa's able to stay on his feet. So I could certainly see that going the other way as well, depending on Costa's mental frame. Outside of that, Nick, on that card, uh, Tom Aspinall picked up a really impressive win over Sergey Spivak, who basically didn't come into fight unfortunately on a short notice. Aspinall just picked him apart, did what he wanted, uh, elbowed him, and then like kind of need him to the body. Is a he really is, man. No joke. And, He's and fast. the maturity he's, he's shown, fast. the speed, the athleticism, the submission acumen, right? Submitting Andre Arlovsky, like Arlovsky's supposed to be the more crafty veteran. And he like outcrafted him in that second round after honestly having some rough moments in the first round with Arlovsky's speed and experience. Uh, so yeah, he's 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 really legit. I'm I'm very impressed by him. Looking forward to seeing him against somebody in that close to that top ten. Do you have anybody uh, in mind for him in particular, Nick? Well, he keeps saying he wants to, you know, he wants to move slow. Right. Um, you know, the winner of hang on, I got let me go. I didn't pull up the uh, the ranking MMA site, which always tells me what matchups are happening, so I can say the winner of that makes sense. Th- this and that. So if you just so as of right now, he's me. ranked at number eleven, and Chris Dawkins is ranked at number ten. I wouldn't want to see the prospect versus prospect matchup. I don't. I don't. But I, it would be such either. a fun fight, Nick. Two super fast, super athletic, hard hitting heavyweights going at it. I think that honestly could be fascinating. Um, maybe a little bit further down the line when they're entrenched in that top seven, top six range. Maybe that's when they should uh, match up for a potential title shot on the line. Outside of that, we've got somebody I, like Tybura or well, Sakai. I think Tybura being that's what a I was gatekeeper saying, is yeah. perfect. I actually think Aspinall is so good and has so much uh, potential. I mean, like Gon, he fights, I, I feel like in a lot of ways he fights and moves like a middleweight. Um, I would put him up. He says he wants to go slow. I don't really want to see him against bums. I don't need to see him against, no, I shouldn't say bums. I don't want to see him against the lower echelon guys or the sluggers like uh, Tai Tebu. So I'd rather see him. T- I think he, he'd be fine right now fighting the winner of Volkov Tabura. Um, if you really wanted to push it, he may not want this, but the winner of, of Rosenstrike Blades. Like, I just think, I actually think Aspinall's further along uh, than Dawkins is. And, well, and, and oh, you do? Interesting. to that elite level. Uh, I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like they're neck and neck, both undefeated in the UFC. I think both all finishes. Um, three or four and oh apiece. I, I feel like they're pretty close. Both have like one signature win over a veteran who's in that top 10 range who usually gets rid of non-ready prospects. I feel like they're they're right there with one another. Um, it's just I would say like physical appearance wise, Dawkins looks a little bit you know a little bit less like an athlete. I suppose that that's the only kind of that's the only point against him, if you ask me. I mean, I suppose I feel like I don't I don't really count the the victory against Olianic 
for for quite as much. What I the just hell? I feel like. What don't yell at me? That's not fair. Um, but we'll see. He's fight. <laughs> you know, Dawkins is scheduled to fight Shabil Abdurakhimov uh, soon, so we'll we'll see coming out of that. Yeah, I'm 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 excited in any of those cases. Shamil Abdurahimov, I, I think is the kind of is the kind of treatment you want to give a prospect. Like give him a wrestler that can you know the, uh, that can be disposed of on the feet. I feel like that's the right kind of matchup for Dawkins uh, on a slow trek up. And same thing with Aspinall. Again, I don't want to see these guys matched up. I, I think uh, a gatekeeper for Aspinall. I, I think he might just be ready for that for that marching Tabura, maybe Augusto Sakai range, especially if you've kind of given up on Sakai as a serious prospect at this point. Um, yeah. Nick. The other thing that would just be just gonna say the one thing mm-hmm. that would we'd be amusing to see, or I'd be interested, because remember Aspinall came up as a jujitsu instructor, even though he's now, That's you know, right. really known and spoken up, uh, spoken of as a boxer. And, and, and if, I, if I'm correct, he's a training partner, sparring partner uh, of Tyson Fury. Um, yes, or he has sparred him at least. That in the past. I would, I would let's. It's just like okay, we know Aspinall can hit, like we've seen his boxing. Let's put him in there with a spino, and see what happens. Um, him, that, you know, let, that would let, be interesting. I'm in for that, especially if Spino is not going to rematch uh, Romanov. I, I'm. I he's am not. Rom- for some reason, Romanov is fighting Jared uh, Vandera, uh, interesting. which I'm kind of pissed off about. I really feel like Espino deserved a rematch because I thought he won that fight against Romanov. Yeah, it ended up being a draw. It's kind of unusual. I think that the UFC just no, decides that's to not that's not true. Romanov mm-hmm. got the technical got the oh, technical split right. decision victory. That's right. That's right. Oh man, I guess the UFC wants to doesn't want to risk losing either prospect now that they see that they're both really legit despite uh, the, the, despite the Brazilian's age. That's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in any of those matchups. I think there's a lot of like potential at heavyweight right now, which you can't really say very often might be more potential at heavyweight than at light heavyweight at this moment. Although I would need to look at the rankings to really confirm that, uh, Nick, let's, let's quickly just spend a a minute or two talking about Chika Chikadze, Giga Chikadze, who came off a huge win over Edson Barboza, man, just basically was the faster, more aggressive man, seemingly hit harder, was more durable. Although I guess durability wasn't much of a factor since Barboza wasn't able to land much, man, he just did his absolute thing for two rounds before getting rid of Barboza, catching him in that third round and moving on with his career, man. Extremely impressive. Undefeated in the UFC, 14-2 and two overall. And now he is, what, five, six, seven, seven straight wins in the UFC. Um, granted, this is his first, like, uh, like the last two fights were against, like, really names that people are familiar with in Cub Swanson and Barboza. Outside of that, they're, they're a bunch of, like, lower-level fighters. But really, really impressive, man. This kid really came into his own under the tutelage of Rafael Cordero. Looks, I mean, looks terrific. And he's a little bit of a heel turn, too. It talks about the giga kick. He's got a little bit more attitude. It reminds me a bit of when, when Musasi uh, switched from understated Musasi yeah. to being like, listen, I'm better than everybody, <laughs> and mostly, and mo- and which I loved, and mostly proving it. You know, this fight, they were, it was full of respect. They were they're both great. We knew that Barbosa like, hasn't had the most durable, uh, most durable chin, but... Yeah, he just and the fact that he didn't get him out with a kick, he got him out. You know, he got him out with the hands, and even tried to and tried to flash some jujitsu just for kicks against a fighter that uh, that um, skilled. It it was pretty cool. Now the question is like, what's next for him? And there's there's a bunch of interesting fights. I don't want to listen. I don't want to rush him, and I still think there's the opportunity to make to make some stars here. You've got you've got Makachev dos Anjos. I wouldn't put him in with the winner of that or with the winner of Chandler Gagey. What I think is really interesting is in December, 
let's just talk about like straight entertainment fights or fights that need to happen. In December, one of the most anticipated fights of the year, a fight fans have been asking for, is happening. That's Brad Riddell against Rafael Fiziev. And having Giga Chikadze fight the winner of that fight, sign me up. Agreed, man. Th- that is a phenomenal matchup. But then to see the winner of that, I mean, it's a striker's delight. But at the same time, like, it's tough to see some of these prospects, um, some of these, like, just, just recently kind of labeled contenders getting wasted on one another, whether it be like a close split decision or if one of them catches a big yeah. bomb, it's a shame to see I mean, them you could uh, put, get out of the rankings or get out of the uh, contention it, that way. It would be, but at this stage, it, it's all a shame. Like, I don't need to see any of them really fight Rafael Dos Anjos. Like, it's a, I, it maybe, you know, I would, I would watch, if you want to really push for it, put Chikadze in there against Calvin Cater. Uh, I think Calvin yeah. Cater's the fight. Or I mean, he can fight the winner of Max Yair. Oh, that would be fascinating. And that's what he kind of asked for. He asked for Max. So, and honestly, if Yair can pull off that win, that would be spectacular either way. But yeah, like really honestly, a lot of high-level strikers at the top of that uh, division. We've got Volkanovski, who's not like the hardest hitter, but a really good striker. Max Holloway is an excellent striker. We've got Rod- uh, Ortega, who's a, who's a solid striker, although we need to see more footage. Rodriguez is a good striker. Chang Sung Jung is a good striker, who's outstrike, uh, outstriked by Ortega. Calvin Cater's hey. mostly a striker. Bre- Arnold Allen is predominantly a striker. Yeah, I was, was going to say underneath him, Arnold Allen. I mean, you're not going to burn him against Mavzar Evloev yet. You know, Evloev, Evloev needs a couple of main card, uh, some main card victories before you're going to, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know against who. Maybe they put him in with, with Zombie. Uh, that would make that would make sense. I think zombie is the perfect kind of like that zombie cater neighborhood is really what I'm looking for for him for that next matchup for Jiga because it would put him into that top five with a win. Calvin is coming off of a loss to Max Holloway. This could be kind of a, a comeback fight for him, a strikers matchup. And Calvin has shown that he has trouble against distant kickers in the past. And that's exactly what Chikazi is. So this would be a good test for Calvin. For Chancellor Jung, if he can keep the gate against Chikadze, then it puts him right into contention and then another win he might be he might be ready for a title shot so I, I think I think those matchups make a lot of sense Nick let's take a break let's come back and break down UFC Fight Night Smith versus Span we've got a light heavyweight matchup uh, headlining this card and definitely like definitely some prospects to look forward to I wouldn't say there are a whole lot of big names uh, we lost Jim Miller uh, Raquel Pennington is on there so definitely some notable people but a bunch of prospects on this one right we've got um, people like Montel Jackson, uh, Armand Saryukian. We've got Tony Gravely, Nate Manis is a great matchup. Joaquin Buckley uh, is on this card, although I don't know if he can be considered a prospect, to be quite honest with you. Kasanganai, no, Tafan and Chukwi. We can argue that yeah, point. Yeah, definitely. The one thing we didn't mention, though, that I just want to make sure we give lip service mm-hmm. to is in the tough fights um, that happened on the on the Chikadze-Barbosa right. card, the... Um, Oh God, I'm forgetting names right now, so I got to go. Uh, that. Ricky Turquoise, Ricky Tercio, right versus Brady um, Heinstein. Yeah, great fight. He, what a what a scrap that was, but also Tercio on the stick was a star. I agree. He's he's must see TV, um, and I'm very very curious to see how they how they move him along and how good how good he really is because he, he certainly. Yeah, he certainly looked good. Yeah, kid's got um, kid's got speed. He's he, got output. He's got pressure. He's got conditioning for days. He's got some charisma. Um, just for the record, that fight 
could have gone either way. Extremely competitive. It was a war. It was the yep. kind of war that if it happened at the end of Tough One, they would have both been handed contracts. And like, it looked like Dana White went into the octagon after that fight and like, at, like he had no idea what happened because he didn't see it. He just knew he had to present the award to the winner. And so he did and just kind of said, congratulations and walked out of the octagon like he didn't give a shit. Just shows you like like where tough is now versus where it used to be back in the day, man. Because I think in many circumstances, he would have congratulated Brady Heinstead as well and possibly offered him a contract as well. I I got to believe he's going to get a contract. There must be some reason why. He didn't, oh, well, he, uh, I'm not sure that he didn't. I'm just saying like, you know, that announcement of a contract. Cause it yeah. was a fucking war. Like neither guy was willing to relate. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they weren't just weren't within say you're both getting them. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Nikolai, let's take a break. We're going to come back and break down Smith versus span, uh, get back into our draft Nikolai, which naturally I am in the lead, buddy. By a little bit. Yeah. Back on the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast, and we're coming back to give you guys a preview of Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. UFC Fight Night coming up this weekend. We're actually doing it quite a bit ahead, giving you guys plenty of time to listen for this one, Nick. As of now, I'm in the lead in our draft system. 85 of my points to 78.5 of yours. I believe we tied with three points apiece in the last event. Uh, Nikolai, it's getting close to crunch time. We've got about plenty three months left to this year. Two and a half months left to this year, really. You you do usually catch up at the very, at the very very end there, and and I expect that this is going to be one of the events in which you're able to close the gap a little bit. Uh, I believe you have the first pick this time, buddy. Um, quickly going to explain our draft system. We each take turns picking fighters that are competing on the upcoming card. Whichever of us between Nick and myself ends up with more winning fighters ends up uh, ends up obviously you know looking better in the week, but adding to the total tally. Uh, if either of us wins an un, uh, picks an underdog successfully of plus 150 or above, that counts for two points. And Nick has been able to take advantage of that a few times this season. I'm going to do it right now. First I'm going to make my, it, my underdog pick first, even though this is by no means the fight I am most confident about. But why not? I, I seem to like uh, rolling the dice on these. I Yeah, I think that's some success that, too. I think the odds are way off on the Antonio Arroyo Joaquin Buckley fight. Um, I don't think the world of Arroyo and his gas tank is is suspect, but getting head kick knocked out as Buckley was by a fighter who just himself got head kick knocked out. By the way, I also think it's hilarious that there's this head kick knockout thing going on, and that Impicasagne got head kick uh, knocked out by Buckley, and then Buckley got head kick knocked out by um, yes. the Italian dude who then got head kicked knocked out uh, just last week or the week before. Every it's like every oh, it's like every time a guy gets so a head kick knocked out, he su- in his next fight he suffers one. <laughs> yeah, or, or shortly in this thereafter. Chain, right, man, but you're not kidding. That's crazy. Here's what I think is going to happen: coming off that head kick knockout, I don't think Joaquin Buckley is going to be as aggressive as he usually is, which means that Antonio Royal is not going to get as tired as he usually does. I also think he's strong and athletic. And that he's, um, I think Buckley's, I think I think Buckley's been a bit overrated. So I actually think this this fight's really close to a pick'em. Um, but I also know one of these guys was violent was violently and brutally knocked out in the last year, and the other one wasn't. Um, I don't think I don't think Arroyo. I think Arroyo lost by decision last time, didn't he? I gotta look. 
Yeah, which I don't love, but Darren if win. but like if you're gonna lose a decision, just, I mean, like Darren wins the kind of guy that you lose, you know. To this, but you know, Joaquin uh, Buckley doesn't have, um, you know, he doesn't have uh, like Darren wins power wrestling against. It's a tough matchup for a guy like Arroyo when like Darren Wynn can just go can can just like crouch down to like as short as he is and go in deep and just put that pressure on you the whole fight. Going toe to toe, I think. Uh, I think I don't think Arroyo is going to be very scared of uh, of Buckley. I think because I think his durability and defense will be enough, and I think he's probably more. I think he's more durable probably than Buckley is. Uh, so I'm going to pick the guy who's not coming off of a head kick knockout, um, and I'm going to get my two points that way. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably good on you for taking advantage of that. I was initially favoring Arroyo as well before I watched a little bit of tape and you make a good point is that Buckley's usually very aggressive and Arroyo wasn't doing so well against an aggressive opponent in his last fight against Darren Wynn and his gas tank failed him and you got to wonder whether it was like a training camp issue or or what it was and I'm not sure to be honest it it definitely is uh, you're right his fear of the of the takedown was an issue there I do also think that Win made Arroyo work hard in that first round by continually going for offense, continually closing distance. Um, Arroyo likes to throw kicks, and Buckley has like an automatic trigger every time his opponent throws a kick. He kind of waits forward with a multi-punch combo, and his punches are explosive and they're fast, right? So there's that. On the other hand, Buckley was just knocked out by a head kick. So and Arroyo's going to throw plenty of head kicks. So so it, it is kind of a catch twenty-two. Arroyo has a big height advantage. He is six-three to Buckley's five-ten. But Buckley will have the edge and reach by a couple of inches, surprisingly, as like a former welterweight. Arroyo's weakness is against guys who can take him down, but I wonder if Buckley's too small to drag him to the floor. Arroyo will be the taller guy with a significant size advantage, right? Like he's just going to be the thicker, wider man, clearly belongs at 185. Buckley will be smaller but faster, potentially with more power in his hands. Arroyo can be taken down, but Buckley has 16% takedown accuracy in the UFC. Buckley will be faster and hit harder, but his chin has failed him twice in four UFC fights. He's he's two and two in the UFC, right? So we can't really really look at him as a prospect anymore. Arroyo backs up against the fence, and I think this is the biggest factor. And Buckley likes to pressure forward. And if Buckley's not as aggressive as usual, you might be right. He might just not pressure forward like he always does. But I feel like that's ingrained in him. I don't know if I don't know if he even can fight in any other way. Um, Arroyo throws lots of kicks. Buckley is an expert at catching them. What I can definitely see Arroyo catching Buckley with is a random shot, like you were saying, like a head kick or something along those lines. But I'm picking the smaller man to pressure his way to a win here. Arroyo doesn't have the best cardio and is not very fast, on top of the fact that Buckley has solid ground and pound if he can get on top. Um, so not you know not a whole lot of confidence in Arroyo, who's 0-2 in the UFC at this point. 0-2 versus 2-2, not the highest level fight, but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting. Um, and, and definitely a ballsy pick on your well, part. This has been working out for you, so I'm seriously considering putting some money on Arroyo. That the, you, you know, play. I mean, his other loss was to Andre Muniz, who and you know ended Jacare, and has looked has looked really fucking good. And his next fight is, right. against, is against Drikas uh, Duplessis. Um, so... That's true, and I will say quickly in that in that matchup against Muniz, he kept getting up, man. He was never in real trouble on the ground. He kept turning him over. He kept getting up. Um, I, so like, it's not like he's unskilled on the ground. It's just that last performance against Darren Wynn makes him really difficult to to trust in. Like if he had a if he didn't look as tired in that second or third round, I would have been more comfortable picking yeah, him. Yeah, I know, I get it. I just because he was so exhausted, man. It's I risky. I think it was more ready. of a training issue than anything else. To be fair, so we'll see what happens. Like I just feel, I just, I just, I, I have a. Yeah, I hear that. It's not a guy I would normally pick. It's usually someone who I would make fun of. I just have a feeling. So we'll see. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fair. My first pick is going to be in the Armand yep. Sayukian versus Christos <laughs> Chiagos matchup. Armand is, Nick, I've seen him as like a golden prospect since before his UFC debut, um, since he was first matched up against, you know, now like top five Islam Makhachev. He's solid standing, but he's an elite grappler. He can latch onto an opponent and not let go until he decides to. Lost his UFC debut against Makhachev in Islam's most competitive UFC fight to date. Um, but Armand has the tougher schedule, having competed against Islam Makhachev, Oliveira, Ben Mercier, and Davi Hamos. Thiago's like every decent opponent he's fought, he just got blown out of the water. Basically, he's a good striker, not super fast, not super explosive, but technical. No ground game to speak of. And Armand's just going to drag him to the floor and do whatever he wants. So I like Armand Saryukan here. He's an insane favorite of minus 820. Um, and I'm glad that the MMA space sees him as the golden prospect that he is. But then again, he's facing Chagos, which is just like a tailor-made matchup. So... I don't know. I don't know if this is like a great way for him to move up the rankings, but it's the UFC basically taking yeah, care of a prospect. Yeah, totally with you. Seems like. uh, on that fight, um, you know, and there's only one fight that I think I would have maybe picked before that, which is what I'm gonna, which is what I'm gonna pick now. Um, I don't know what I feel like. JP Buys did something to piss somebody off because, because like he got. 100%. I mean, I know Bruno Silva is, is you know pretty good. Um, and definitely an exciting guy to watch, but Vise did not make him, he did not look like a guy ready for the UFC when he was in that fight. Um, and Montel Jackson is battle tested. He's a finisher. He's finished legit competition with, uh, with both strikes and submissions. He's been in there with Wiley veterans. Uh, he's, you know, Montel Jackson is a legitimate UFC competitor. I feel like this is two or three steps up from the kind of fighter that buys should be fighting right now. So I think this is, I think this is going to be a wipeout. Agreed. Buys did not, sh- buys did not show us, the, yeah, not there, shown yeah. us a lot. No, he, his UFC debut, he looked pretty bad. He got hurt several times before he got finished. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Baze is actually like a, he's a talented guy. He trains with a good team. But Montel Jackson, he's going to be the bigger man. He's going to have the better wrestling. He's going to have more power in his hands. He's probably more durable, even though he has been clipped uh, himself in the past. Uh, I like Montel Jackson here. I think he's too wide of a favorite by a little bit. But let's also, he deserves to let's be a also talk favorite, about the so fact that he's five, he's five inches pick- taller. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. He's just way, way bigger. The fact that he, um, the fact that Baze is coming off of like, a fight against a 125er who's like not necessarily inches, a giant 125er to begin with. Five inches taller with a ten inch with a scary. He's giving up ten inches of reach. In fact, Sam, why the hell did you pick the other fight Crazy. before this one? Sorry, like, give me a good reason why you, you really think that. And it, because because Chiagos has yeah. zero defense on the ground, and Armand Sarikian can okay. drag like I mean they're both they both, are, they both would have been fine number one if he wants to like it's just and, and this would have been yeah, one of them would have been my number that. one pick I if I didn't, if I didn't you know I got to go for the three point shot with the by by for everyone for, for every, just to remind everyone no I get that if I pick an underdog or if Stan picks an underdog who's plus one fifty or more we get double the points for a victory. So you've got to pick. You got to pick that fight right. before if, it gets snapped and blocked by out. the Wiley competitor. 
that makes sense. And that I am like a wily, wily competitor. My second pick is going to be uh, Aaron Blanchfield to yeah. beat Sarah Alpar. Alpar obviously didn't look very good in her UFC debut. She was basically savage, man. She was just ripped apart within a, a couple of rounds, just basically sitting up against that fence, knocked out as the referee you know, didn't quite realize that she was out. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield is like just a high-output pressure fighter, put some numbers out there. Next, she's got like decent experience against good competition in Invicta FC, uh, including... Um, her name escapes me, but but it's um, hold on. I will tell oh, you who she okay. beat in the past. She beat Kay Hansen. She beat Kay Hansen in the past, Nick, and she lost uh, with a super close split decision to Tracy Cortez. That I mean, that's basically all you need to hear uh, for her to be able to beat Sarah Alpar. But on top of that, she's like a really crafty striker, uh, good at getting up to her feet if she does get taken down. So I think she deserves to be a favor going into her UFC debut. And I'm yeah, I her. agree. I agree with that pick uh, wholeheartedly. Um. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go up the card to what is a very, very weird uh, co-main event. Although recently Devin Clark was in a main event, if I'm, if I'm correct, against, against Anthony Smith. But he I, right. you know, say what you want about Ian Karlaba, but again, in his fight against, um, what's his name? The guy that just came back and is looking good. Um Holy shit. Dust, Dustin? Dustin Jacoby. And his fight against Dustin Jacoby... Dustin, yeah. You know, he showed he showed me something. He showed me a lot more than he showed in those... In his fights with, with Maga... Uh, in his fights with Magomed uh, and Kalev. And I just... I think, I think he's a... I think he's more durable and stronger and has, and I'll use that trait term again, better composure uh, than Devin Clark does. I don't see Devin Clark being able to stand up to... Kurlaba's pressure in the first round. So I'm going to pick Kurlaba. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on the pick. I, I can't see Devin Clark surviving the first round and just that wrestling Ion Kutalaba, but it's not that simple because Kutalaba does have a Greco-Roman wrestling background, which he's he's used against strikers specifically in the past. Um, he's known for kind of blowing his load in the first round, and then if he doesn't finish you, he slowly tires out. And that's a way for Devin Clark to win this fight. He did win such a fight against Alonzo Minifield, but I think Kutilaba is just scarier. He's he hits harder. He's more experienced than is Minifield or was Minifield at that time. So I'm there with you. I like Ian Kutilaba. I think at minus 146, there's some value there uh, on him by finish. Uh, I'm not sure what the odds are on him to to finish the fight, but I think that's probably likely as he's going to clock Devin Clark with something. Devin Clark is not going to want to be there anymore. Uh, so I'm there with you on that. Can I just, yeah, just want to bring pick, something up, Stan? This is to I me at least where it gets. I work on choosing a less yep. triggering metaphor than. Well, you used a metaphor then, to describe dumping one's energy, and I, I, and I just think I think you might want to check that out so that the podcast sensitivity training doesn't have to happen. That that is fair. Speaking of podcast sensitivity training, I grew up watching the UFC. And Joe Rogan oh, and was he, a consistent yeah. color commentator, and it, a lot of his phrases and sayings and, have oh, have that, that sounds safe because he, he head, really seems like the picture you want to follow recently. I oh my god, I no, not not no. Oh. I mean, look, not not not, partic- not particularly. I, I think it's worth having a conversation with the controversy with him recently because, like, he was prescribed ivermectin by a doctor, like a human amount, not a horse amount. So, like. It's kind of disingenuous that, to keep that, calling that's it a, a, a horse medicine. It's 100% disingenuous. It is effective I have, on an, I have an MD friend who 
who says that, who has spoken to the fact to me specifically that there are very uh, there are highly accredited respected doctors who in it, who who in humans doctors talk about who use its it, properties right. as an anti-inflammatory. Um, so I do think that it's it's I don't think that um, I don't think everything that he says is wrong, and he sometimes has points. But it's just like, I'm also just like, shut the fuck up. Like, like unless you have an autoimmune disorder, there's some reason why get why getting the vax is not uh, is less health is more dangerous for you than getting COVID. Like, it it just it seems like something that that people should do to me. Yeah, I'm 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 there. I'm I'm largely there with you. Um, and and I hate that he's given yes, out advice that's for what really people not me. to get the vaccine. As, as the a, father of a daughter, what's going to allow this thing that, to keep? Yeah, it makes me want to fucking strangle him in his cryogenic chamber, or whatever he sleeps in. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely hear where you're coming from. The thing with Joe Rogan, and, and we can move back to the card after this. The, the thing with Joe Rogan is that he's been influenced over the years by the doctors, by the by the right wing. Uh, uh, I guess influencers that he's had on his show, but by, by a couple of the left wing influencers that he's had on the show. So he's got this, like he, he's well, got his view is is really influenced by a lot of the experts that he has on a quote unquote experts that he has on his show. And there are different categories in which he is on the right, and different categories in which he is on the left, and in ways in which he's influenced by quack doctors, ways in which he's influenced by good doctors. Well, so it's, it's tricky because to he's you, skeptical you of big business, which is a subject. fair thing to be. That he he de- he defers to in almost a libertarian way, tinkerers and self and self made experts because he doesn't think that they have another agenda. But like someone cannot have another agenda and still right. be a moron. Big business can be inherently evil and still make something that's productive. <laughs> like things can be things can be more than one thing. And he Absolutely, and, and at the same time. That. You're right, and at the same time, he also has people on who might claim that they're against big business, but who are getting getting actual money from big business, from oil companies and that sort of thing. So, so you know, even his, even the people that influence him are sometimes influenced by big business. So it, it is it is a very tricky thing, and Joe Rogan can be a subject onto himself. Uh, there are you know a handful of things that I agree yeah, with. This him is on a weird, a crazy tangent, I I mean, but him, I couldn't let you. That is beside for the all point. of our for our millions of listeners yeah. out there, some of them with sensitivities to overwhelmingly sexual metaphors i just thought i should i should let you know that like while i appreciate you i have to i have to call you on on using language like that nick i've i've said this kind of thing before in the past and i'm going to say it again we have a mixed martial arts podcast i think there's probably a higher sensitivity to not being a fan of donald trump by our listeners than than there is to uh to overly sexualize metaphors but but i i do take your (laughs) point buddy my Sorry. next pick, Nick. I, I just had so much fun trolling you. Is is because uh, <laughs> I because I don't care. <laughs> um, my next pick is going to be, um, my next one is going to be in a matchup, Nick, where I actually think like on paper it should be closer than the odds suggest, but what has me who picking, picking? Who I'm picking is the following, right? We got the matchup between the matchup between Tony Gravely and Nate Manis. Manis being a really good pressure striker, like he's got he's got. Some power in his hands, right? 13-1 overall, 2-0 in the UFC. Not the best grappler, but his defensive wrestling is improving. Not very high output, but plants his feet and counters anytime an opponent steps in with punches. Um, Gravely's a good wrestler. Has really good hands, like pretty good 
fundamentals, likes to use boxing pressure to make his way into takedowns. He lost his UFC debut in a war with top 15 fighter Brett Johns and 2-0 in the UFC since then. There's a decent chance that Manis can catch something big on the feet. I think he also can do some damage from top position if he can end up there. But because Gravely trains with a legitimate team, an American top team, and Manis doesn't seem to have like any high-level training partners, like looking through his Instagram, not only do you not see like any names of, of any gyms or coaches that you recognize, but like just looking at his training partners, they look like any like any just random kids that are training at a random MMA gym in Indiana. Like none of them look like they're high level athletes. Uh, granted, I'm just going off the cover of the book. They look relatively young. So I can't imagine he's getting that gravely uh, look in training on top of the fact that gravely trains at one of the best teams on the planet. Um, Manus was taken down a couple times in his, in his UFC debut, and that's a big part of the reason I'm uh, picking Gravely here as well. Good chance that an underdog bet for two points here, though. If uh, if you know if I felt like I really needed it, this is one where I would have picked the underdog because uh, Gravely's lost five times and a couple of them by knockout, and Manus has some serious power. And let's face it, he's got a great record. Yeah, this at 13 is a tough one. one. I could have gone either way on it, and was gonna hope well, he's gonna let you pick it. <laughs> but I. Really? Because I, f- I feel like this could have been an underdog opportunity for you. I actually thought this was a slightly better underdog uh, chance than uh, than the Antonio Arroyo fight, well, but the... I could be proven wrong, of course. Why can't I find the... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's No, you're right. He's... It Looking went up the to plus 154. One? I think maybe when I checked it out, it wasn't it wasn't, uh, it wasn't wasn't there. Um, but you're right. It was, it uh, was could a pretty be. good one. Yeah, I'm going to go be. main event, man. What's your next um, pick, bud? I mean, frankly, this is a, I mean, this for me. All this right. is very similar to the sense. co-main event. I know that you you've shit over the over the years on Anthony Smith quite a bit, calling him you know mediocre fighter and a middleweight, yada yada. I think he's a bit better than that. I, I think he's a I think he's a solid gatekeeper. I think the way that he disposed of Devin Clark um, proved that, and he's also it, he's I do believe he's also proven that he's extremely durable. I think and I think he's a smart guy. Um, I think Ryan Spann, who's athletic and powerful doesn't have great composure, doesn't have a great chin, um, looks lost in there sometimes. Anthony Smith sometimes looks hurt or looks concerned. He doesn't look lost. Um, I think that – I think this is a fight where Smith has come come far enough that he will – he'll be able to fight. He'll be able to fight from distance. I, I don't think um, – he's not a fighter who gets put – who gets put down by one shot. Um you know, uh, you know, Glover, Glover really like put it on him before he got him out of there, and I just don't see Ryan Span, Span being able to put that kind of continuous beating. I don't think he's got the cardio. I don't think he's got the skills. He has power, and he's a big, strong guy. I just, I think that Anthony Smith has dealt has dealt with that uh, before, and should be able to pick him apart and exhaust him. I think the first round is going to be. I could see Anthony Smith, the first round not being real pretty for him. But he gets through that first round. I feel like this is his fight to lose. Yeah, I mean, uh, Span trains at Fortis MMA. He is 9-1 in his last 10 fights, which is honestly super impressive. Obviously huge for the division. 6-5, I believe. Uh, doesn't look super muscular, but he is pretty athletic. Hits incredibly hard. He's got five knockdowns in his UFC career thus far, which is pretty impressive. He will go for takedowns against an opponent who has power. But it's been his MMA IQ, which I think has been his biggest uh, deterrent. And also, he's been knocked out several times, so his chin recovery and recovery are not very good. Um, Smith, after starting his career at 205 pounds in the UFC at 3-0 against former champions and contenders, 
three and three in his last six fights. Uh, always been super fast. Good Brazilian jiu-jitsu against non-grapplers. Can't really compete with elite grapplers on the ground, though. And he's recently been developing a uh, like much better jab than ever before, and he's using it more consistently. His footwork is a little bit better. He's more prone to moving around the perimeter rather than just standing in front of his opponents. Um, usually looks great when pressing forward. Looks terrible when backing up. And if you could plant his feet and toss that jab as an opponent's coming in, I think that might help to fix some of that for him. Smith does well against aging veterans who should be retired. He does well against young guns who have like very little experience or a limited gas tank, right? That's been kind of his his career thus far. He has a hard time against elite competition in their prime, though. I tend to think that Span is the category of like a young gun with limited high-level experience. Smith is 3-3 three and three in his last six, while Span is 9-1 and one in his last 10. So obviously the momentum is in Span's favor, but Smith's losses are to John Jones, Glover Teixeira, and Alexander Rockish. And he didn't take all much damage fighters, in the, all in the, the top three or four. Either. He just got grounded. Um, that's true. Rakic Ray Ray only damages as much as he wants to, unfortunately. He can be really timid, and, and that's how it worked out. Span's wins are over a mediocre competition. Like He he hasn't even really fought the level of competition that's been, uh, that Smith has been beating lately. Uh, I know they have a common opponent in, uh, in uh, Devin Clark. Span tends to get knockouts with his hands, but Smith, Smith has a legitimately good chin. Smith is crafty and experienced, and Span has limited fight IQ. Span crashes into the pocket while Smith is developing a good jab backed up by um, constant lateral movement, right? Smith has trained for a five-round fight and competed in a five-round fight multiple times. Span has only gone past the first round, um, past the third round, excuse me, in one fight six years ago, and he lost that decision. So I'm agreeing with you. I'm taking Anthony Smith to make it three in a row against unproven prospects. Um, His jab, chin, and experience should win the day. But I'm kind of hopeful that that span who, you know, nine and one in his last 10 fights is still impressive. I know he looks very human in some of these fights, but, but I'm still kind of hoping he comes through here, lands a bomb and, and, you know, can maybe enrich the light heavyweight division a little bit rather than watching. Yeah, Anthony I can, Smith I can understand. I also want to just correct you on uh, one there with you on the pick, buddy. when you characterize the kinds of people that Smith mm-hmm. beats, you know, there are up and comers like Jimmy Crute or Devin Clark, and there are people who are past their prime, um, like Shogun, Rashad Evans and Alexander Gustafson. But you can't say a whole heck of a lot about him choking out Volkan Ozdemir. I believe that Volkan Ozdemir is an is an elite, you know, top eight, top six fight, top six level fighter who's only lost to extremely good competition. And when he fought him in 2018, I don't think Ozdemir is either a rookie or over the hill. So I just want to make sure we're giving credit where credits due uh, to Anthony Smith for that come from behind victory. Uh, well, that's the thing is that it was a come from behind victory, and it took for uh, it took for him to be exhausted for Anthony Smith to take advantage of it. Right? It wasn't like Anthony Smith did something crafty to make him tired or to hurt him and then finish him. It's that Alzheimer just got really tired in that I think third round, and Anthony Smith was just like, "Oh shit, like I have a chance here." Anthony Smith, his nickname is Lionheart, but he like he's willing to survive, but he doesn't come back if his opponent continues to come on strong. He just gets into purely survival mode at that moment, right? If he comes back, it's because his opponent is suddenly exhausted or like broke his leg by accident or, or something something weird like that. So like good win, but he was getting kind of handled by Ozdemir until uh, until Ozdemir was exhausted. So like skill-wise, it's not a major thing in his favor. It's almost like Alzheimer acted in that fight, if you think about it, like a young gun who like didn't have a whole lot of experience or the conditioning to actually keep up his offense. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a quality win. He's got multiple quality wins. Uh, I don't disagree with you there. Um, my next pick is going to be... 
I think I'm going to take... I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Tafan and Chukwi to beat Mike Rodriguez. Uh, Mike Rodriguez's nickname is slow, but he's not. He's pretty fast. He's, he hits really hard, really tall for the division at 6'4". And the thing about him is he's got no ground game. He doesn't respond well to pressure. And Chukwi is kind of slow, especially with his hands. He throws pretty fast kicks, but he's a seasoned kickboxer, a kickboxing champion. Um, I know he's coming off of a loss, but it was a gritty, gritty loss to a, a much more overall well-rounded and skilled opponent. Mike Rodriguez is not those things. I could see Mike Rodriguez, like he has the tools to win this fight. Uh, right, like he has a, a long jab. He he has he has the ability to stay on the outside. Like he has the frame for it. But I don't trust him to actually perform. I don't trust him to keep his shit together uh, long enough to actually win this fight. So I think uh, Tafan and Chukwi um, could potentially catch a bomb. But but I think he pressures his way to a to a pretty clear cut decision if he can't get. Rid uh, of it. I'm with you. I'm with you, and that was going to be my next pick. So I got to figure something else out. Um, I just meal. I'm, I'm going to go with, let me just check the odds on this. No, I'm not going to pick that. Oh, boy. What do the odds have to do with your picks? Not, that's, I'm not just going to fucking discuss my strategy with you. Um, I'm going to go with, with uh, <laughs> Impicus Agne uh, to defeat Carlson. I, uh, I I like it, but I think he, I think he got caught. I think he's a much better fight than that i think the fact that he came back and was victorious um after that fight shows shows us something i also think that it's no i don't think it's a coincidence that him and and buckley are on the same card i think the ufc um would love to get those guys back together uh because they've got a great they've got a great clip there they can market marketing that rematch uh wouldn't be wouldn't be super hard um, when they're looking for when they're looking for stories to tell, and Carlson Carlson Harris is I mean he's pretty good, um, you know a couple of couple of, of this is his second UFC fight he's choked out a couple guys Anaconda and Dars victories, um, I mean a win over over Christian Aguilera doesn't in, doesn't impress me like that much, and I just uh, I gotta believe that the uh, as he's getting more confident in there and i really felt that in uh in his fight against sasha Blachnikov. uh i think i think that kasagna is going to put it together like i just i think he's a specimen and i liked i liked the way that he bounced back uh a lot and again he's a guy he's a guy at stanford um who i think is, which i think is the right gym for him yeah i mean you do have to factor and i think that kasagna and i Arguably lost the first round to Sasha Polotnikov. Arguably lost the first round to Buckley. Uh, lost the first round to Maki Patolo. So I'm not sure if it's just that he's a slow starter. I, I don't know if it's that he needs his opponent to to wear down a little bit, get a little bit tired before he starts to take over. But he is known for taking over in that second round, um, especially against opponents who are likely to slip on a banana peel. The thing about Harris is that really good grappler um, and has some power in his hands too, but he doesn't have the best chin 
And I feel like Kansang and I can find a bomb at some point, even if Harris does have some success on the feet. I feel like Kansang and I should be able to survive on the ground with Harris if he needs to. Although, again, Kansang and I, in a lot of ways, he's fairly raw. He's he's mature for how inexperienced he is in MMA, right? And the skills that he, uh, the, some of the attributes that he has shown suggest that he, you know, it's, it's almost as if he's, he's fought 20 times in mixed martial arts. But his skill overall is not truly all that developed yet. So, uh, there's some risk here, but there's a reason it's this far down, and this probably would have been one of my next pick, uh, one of my next couple of picks. So I, I don't disagree with you there by much. My next pick, Nikolai, is going to be. Oh, this is where it gets really tough. I'm going to take. I'm going to go ahead and take Ron Zhu to beat Dakota Bush. Dakota Bush, to his credit, has been training under James Krause after losing his UFC debut, which he took on short Wait, notice. Can I ask you, can I ask you a um, question? To, uh, I just want to ask one more thing. Hubbard, like, Austin Hubbard. Um, sure. Do you think that first round sure. is because he's a range finder? Do you think it's all – I mean, is do you think he's someone who just dedicates the first round to finding – I'm, I'm thinking about his style. I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking you as a, you as a fighter. Guess, you know, um, and you, when you watch his behavior and what he's doing. I, I, don't, I don't know that his – I don't know that his game is I don't know that his game is developed enough standing for him to really just take that first round to figure his opponent out without necessarily scoring enough. It could be an output issue, could be that like he needs a little bit of a wake up, could be that he needs like a thorough warm up before he really gets going. Um but like having that in mind as I watch the first rounds of his fights I think would help me. But yeah, my instinct is to say it's not necessarily a range finding thing. I don't think it's the uh Israel Adesanya thing where he really does have 5 rounds to work and he's going to be super uh, careful in the first round to figure out what your game plan is and and get comfortable at the range that you're standing in and what you're throwing at him. Uh, kind of plant some seeds to, to invest in later. I don't know that Impa's game is developed enough for that. It just seems like he just suddenly goes, all right, I'm going to destroy you in the second round, and it kind of works out more often than not, especially against the level of competition that he's been fighting. So my instinct is to say that it's not that he's range-finding, and my instinct is to say that um, it, it might be a little bit of a mental block, very, very mentally strong, right? But it, he just needs to get going sooner, maybe a harder warm-up in the yeah, back. Okay, I was just curious as your perspective. All right, we got three picks each um, coming on. So let's I think let's boot let's I think let's blast through That's these. Right. They're not they're um, not fights. Well, with maybe there's one exception there. The rest of them are, are fights that people are gonna have to pay attention to. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm gonna take Rong Zhu. Uh, yes, he's only 21 years old and more experienced than a lot a lot of guys who are significantly older than him. Lost his UFC debut to a guy who has you know quite a bit older, but has quite a bit less experience in Rodrigo Vargas. Um, Zhu's a polished striker and a serious prospect from China. Despite that loss, Bush prefers to grapple and has kind of okay kicks at range. He can be pretty busy with them. Trains under trained under James Krause for this fight camp in particular so this might be his first kind of high level fight camp um i like ron here to be physically more opposing um he's he, both guys are big for the division but i feel like ron is just more athletic he's going to be a little bit quicker he'll be the better striker should be able to avoid takedowns and even score some of his own if he needs to i think he'll be fine from top position against uh bush who's a little bit more of a grappler and than you I want to tell us uh what bush's nickname is again Oh, Jesus Christ, Stan. I think it's Harry Bush. Think about our audience before Whatever. Um, so that, you, you asked me that, that, you asked me that a, question with the intention see, of... It was what? testing your, your level of sensitivity and awareness, and you just immediately, immediately just volunteer <laughs> it. Like, just some fucking class. 
Nick, I can't take yeah it's off like, the wagon once again. Fancy restaurant I can take you to is Arby's. Your behavior. Um, to be honest with you, that's about as fancy of a restaurant Arby's and like Sizzler are about as fancy of a restaurant as Sizzler. I've been to. I once almost went to Outback. I went, <laughs> I went to an Outback Steakhouse once, but uh, yeah, they, they said that I wasn't dressed nice anyway, enough. Um, see, like the, that wasn't the, the, the a, that wasn't a metaphor. That was a thing you did and, and all that. And, um, so next pick, I'm gonna go. Right. Oh boy, this one is so <laughs> tough to pick because I really thought that she looked great. I thought that that Alexis Davis won the fight against Penny Kanzad, but. I think just on a career trajectory point of view, I like Kanzad to outpoint Rocky Pennington. Yeah. Uh, um, any any more to that, or, yeah. or is that about um, all you have to say on this one? I only ask because uh, you know, well, I, I start talking to you. Like, ah, you have to do imp- not so impressions of me <laughs> that make me sound like a drunk Muppet. Thank you. Um, yeah, just I just. What is what it that I, you think I you actually, actually sound, sound like? like? If not a drunk Muppet, what would you say you sound like? I don't know, man. The, se- seductive. Fair enough. Okay, fair. No, that that's that's very reasonable. More like, uh, what, what what's the pig's name from the Muppets? Miss Miss, Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy, <laughs> yes, more like Miss Piggy than the famous frog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. go for it, buddy. So you're, you're picking Penny Kanzad. You think like you think she's really coming to her own on this four fight winning streak, and she's ready for uh, Pennington, who might be yeah, on a downfall. I mean, listen, the scalps, right? Beth Cahayas, Jari Eubanks, and then I thought that Alexis Davis won that fight, but I just don't know. Yeah, you know, a, li- a little over a year ago, fighting Marion Renault, like after looking after just getting handled by Holly Holm. I just don't know how much Rocky Pennington has left. She's she's 33, uh, coming against a, a younger fighter. Um, I think it's I think this has split decision written all over it. I just uh, I think I think can't. I just my my instinct is this is a cha- this is a, one of those slight topsy turvy changing of the guard fights. I don't think I don't I don't think Rocky Pennington's going to keep the gate. Yeah. At this point. I- Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that this is going to be a close decision. I, I think that's just the way that that um, a lot of the women's divisions are when it comes to two fighters that are within range of each other in leagues. And these two girls are not far apart in skill overall. Um, Kianzad is like a pretty tall, fast boxer predominantly, I would just say. Better as a counterpuncher than she, when she's being aggressive. Really good takedown defense. Very experienced at this point and is on a four-fight winning streak in the UFC after going, I think, 0-2 or 0-3 in her first few bouts. Pennington is a former title challenger. Went the distance against the GOAT Amanda Nunes uh, in a title fight a few, re- a few years back. Well-rounded, who likes to focus on her pressure striking. Um, I think she's really improved on her patience and her, and her uh, striking defense recently. Mainly uses her wrestling against opponents who have an edge standing up. Uh, trains that elevation. And here's another thing. Her and her uh, significant other... Um, whose name, uh, Tisha Torres, right? They seem to be in a really good place right now, whereas they were in a bit of a rough patch a couple years ago. I still think Pennington is sharp. I still think she's got a couple more tools than does Kianzad. And the memory of Kianzad's losses early in her, in her UFC career are, are kind of still fresh enough in my mind. I feel like Kianzad, she's been beating fighters. And granted, the last one was competitive, could have gone either way. But prior to that, she's been beating fighters that have some clear-cut holes and are 
you know, not necessarily in their prime anymore, despite the fact that they never truly reached the top of the top. I like Pennington Tower pressure and not work Kianza out for a close decision win. Kianza is just not um, like active enough on the feet. And I feel like if she's going to wait for the counters, it's going to be tough to deal with Pennington because Pennington isn't just going to like go in with offense and then stay in the pocket. She's going to go in with a big, uh, like let's say, cross left kick combo that she really likes a lot. And she's going to be out of range before you know it. Takedowns won't be easy for Rocky here, but the threat of them, I think, will help her land some strikes. Uh, Plus, she has a 1.5-inch reach advantage, and I think that'll factor in in the striking battle here as well, as both girls generally prefer to box, but Penny... Pennington tends to finish combos with kicks. So I, I like Pennington. I still think she's got enough in the gas tank to get this win, but it's going to be a close this decision, and I'm sure it can go either way. You made a really good case, so we'll see. Maybe it, I'll Nick. text you and change that up. Anyway, next. Fair enough. My next pick is going to be... This is where, to me, it gets extremely tough. I'm going to take, um, I'm going to pick from the Cameron Van Camp, Nicholas Mota matchup. Here's the interesting thing about this one, right? Mota was supposed to fight Jim Miller, who is obviously like super experienced, grizzled veteran, um, has like 20 plus 20 UFC wins, if I, if I remember that correctly. And Mota was making his UFC debut, right? This kid lost in tough Brazil when he was 21 years old, um, had under three years of pro experience at the time. Now with almost 10 years of experience and a contender series win, he's making his UFC debut. Used to train with Novo and Yao with Jose Aldo and the crew. He basically like at 17 decided I'm going to move out of my house and like go out and train with the best people I know. Now trains at Factory X, which I think is really good for him. Throws a lot of cross left hook combos since he has like a seriously heavy, heavy left hook. Also has a pretty good kicking game. Uh, can be pressured, but generally more effective on the front foot, although he plants and counters well when his opponent uh, is throwing. Van Camp, Van Camp is predominantly a submission grappler. Four of his last five wins are by submission. Um, he, The tricky thing here is that he f- took this fight on a week notice, right? He generally fights at welterweight. Um, has had a couple lightweight matchups, but those are not his good performances. They tend to be his losses and not very recently. So I don't know how he's going to make weight, man. On a week notice, he's like a big motherfucker, significantly bigger in this matchup. Um, 6-1 to Motes 5-9. Um, willing to, th- like, he kind of throws offensive strikes and his head is just in the center line with his chin high up in the air. So he's just ready to get countered. And for that reason, I like Mota to land the left hook. But... The size discrepancy definitely concerns me. And I could see Van Camp honestly dragging him to the floor, just sticking to him against the fence until he can drag him to the floor, potentially finishing him or at least getting dominant position and doing some damage. So there's risk here. But given the short notice, given the fact that I'm assuming that Van Camp is going to do his damnedest to make weight, and hopefully for that case, in that case he'll be depleted, which will allow Moda to pick up uh, his UFC debut win. Um, yeah, I, I can honestly say that I didn't have time to research Van Camp, so I'm just going to trust you on this one, and that's why I didn't get into it. Um, but that's okay. Fair enough. Uh, I am, listen, I have picked the queen of violence, Ariana Lipsky. She ends up being the, the queen of violence against her. <laughs> with, the, with the beatings that she's, <laughs> that she's taken. And, um, you know, she's fighting this German fighter, Baum, who's coming into the UFC. And against... You know, not not super experienced, but has um, has a couple of RNC finishes. I and knowing that kind of what a, how lousy of a, it's like Lipsky is the very very bare minimum of the division. Like she's keeping the very first gate, and the question is is Bohm, uh is Bohm going to be a good enough fighter uh, to 
you know, probably like get, basically get her down and choke her out. I think that would be the, I think that's going to be the, the path to victory versus trying to, to um, kickbox with her. And as much as I like Lipsky, I also think she's, she's beautiful, which I super have a crush on her. So it's hard to pick against her, but I, when, I whenever I've picked her, it hasn't gone well. Um, so, and I'm just checking out, I'm, I'm curious. I can't remember if she's the underdog. Yeah, this fight's, this fight's even. Um, yeah, so it's it's yeah it's it's Pretty a even, yeah. it's a pick 'em across the board, um, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Mandy Bohm. What, what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, Lipsky's um, Lipsky's actually a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, despite the fact that like she's been finished on the ground against like neophytes on the ground, but she's also caught like submissions off her back, super aggressive standing, and packs serious serious heavy heavy power in her hands. Um, her wrestling defense is seriously lacking though. That's probably her biggest hole. She's solid if she gets to be the hammer, but not very reliable if she has to be the nail. Like once a fight starts going against her, it's probably not going to end up being a win for her. She'd rather be finished when things are going bad rather than fight through and win. Her troubles are against pressure fighters and someone that can put her on her back. She doesn't have great wrestling, but she ends up on top because of turnovers or knockdowns. Bohm is so, like a pretty solid stand-up striker. Like she's very mature in that way. Solid jab at long range, excellent knees and close range pressures. Well, and will often be the taller fighter in most matchups. Um, a well put together striker overall, I would say can be taken down, but gets up pretty well. On the one hand, Lipsky does not take pressure well and bond pressures. Lipsky doesn't have a great clinch game and bomb does. However, Lipsky does have like has beat this level of opponent pretty consistently. Someone with like six to eight fights of experience, right? If Bohm is a special prospect, she has a decent shot at outworking Lipsky if she can get through the first round. But Lipsky will counter with bombs early, so Bohm's chin and composure will need to be in place for this one. I'm gonna take a flyer on the less experienced Bohm, so I agree with you there to make a successful octagon debut and show that she has more maturity and talent than her record suggests. Like. There's a chance she could be something special, this girl, and I'm kind of relying on that with this pick. So oh, I, thanks. I I'm glad I have your fucking there. approval. Go My ahead. next pick. You're welcome. You you've really had trouble with uh, authority and like and like, I'm like big brother older. figures growing up, didn't you? More than wait wait how maybe more than oh, that. Right. No, that, I, I, I Nick, you, you might be 15 years older than me. There's a fair I chance like, if you look if, at us if, walking if, down, if down the street, if you looked at us walking down the street, everyone would think you were older, <laughs> no doubt. Just based also on height, skin. if like you only saw silhouettes, my smooth, yeah. Oh, you just have glowing skin. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so this leaves us, I think, with only two fights left. Correct. The Hannah Goldie and Emily Whitmire matchup, and then the Gustavo Lopez yeah. and Alatang Haley matchup. Are just, there any uh, other ones that we haven't picked? You yet? You didn't Nick? even wait for me to. You didn't wait for so me. So I have basically. The the, those are the Ask two. me again. Okay. Go ahead. Are there no, any fights the that we haven't two. picked yet, Nick? Oh, wonderful. I'm really glad we uh, we got that out there um, to our audience. <laughs> um, here's the thing. So the way it works is that since you already have seven picks and this is going to be my seventh pick, neither of us are going to make that, uh, that that last pick that no one chose. We'll we'll give our quick breakdown if we want to. I'm going to go ahead and take yeah. Alateng Haley to beat Gustavo Lopez. I think Gustavo Lopez is a scrappy, like skilled guy. Like he's pretty good on the ground, pretty good on the feet. If you ask me, he probably like he looked better um, against uh, against uh, Anthony Burchank than did um, than did uh, Tony Gravely, who's also on this card, who's like a you know a, a bigger favorite in his matchup. So 
thing is he's coming off a loss. Alatang is like pretty skilled overall. I think he trains with Gray Jacksons, or at least he used to years ago. Um, he's got solid striking fundamentals. He's got UFC experience, UFC success behind him. I think he's undefeated at 2-0 in the UFC, even though he hasn't fought in a while. So I'm going to take Alatang Haley to pick up another UFC win here. But Gustavo Lopez, man, like, you know, he shouldn't be underestimated. Kid, kid's, kid is not going to yep. give in no matter I, what happens. Uh... I had the same pick as you, and then we don't we're not picking this next one, right? No, we're not picking it, but let's give a, a quick pick on the Hannah Goldie versus Emily uh, Whitmire matchup. What do you think, buddy? No. This is not high like, level. And I also right feel here, like this fight it was this fight booked like seventeen times already. I feel like we keep talking about it, but maybe I'm wrong. Um I would go with go I would go with Goldie over Whitmire. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll take Whitmire over Goldie just because Whitmire like looks good for a round and then just slips on a banana peel almost no matter what. But Goldie doesn't really look good at any point in a fight. And she's like this tiny human who is supposed to have good offensive striking, but no defense whatsoever. Emily at least has a ground game. And I don't think Goldie's going to submit her like Emily has been submitted a few times. So I, I like Emily, yeah. but I mean, this is some low level UFC shit. Well, Hannah Goldie, I think, is 0 and 2, and Emily Whitmire is probably. I'm sure like because this card is seven days away, almost everything we talked about will be rendered moot because of COVID. But we're still, <laughs> we're still getting it out there. And before we before we sign off, I want to say two things. Yeah, One, kidding. Um, my co-host uh, Stanislav Dryev is going on vacation, so I'd like to wish him a happy vacation. And also, his daughter Avery Quinn Thank just you. turned two a week ago. Uh, so happy second birthday yes. to Avery Quinn, who thank who thank God inherited all of her mother's. Thank qualities. you, Nikolai. She. Oh man, thank the good Lord, Nikolai. That girl's so bright. I know, like I am questioning whether or not I'm her father with how bright she is at age two. Um, but yeah, she she is a special little girl, and and I'm and I'm super proud of her at at, at two years old. Um, you know, very excited to get our daughters to meet. This was supposed to be the day that they were supposed to meet uh, as my daughter's second birthday. But unfortunately, you had like a couple of weird symptoms. You weren't sure whether it was COVID. So you didn't want to take the chance. And I appreciate that. Well, well uh, hang on. Nick, I just, just want to say one thing about the card after this one is going to be how I know that Avery Quinn is, in fact, your daughter. It's because when I have talked to her, all yeah. she does is brag about how she's sparred with Uriah Hall. <laughs> 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 I don't brag about how you bring that up way more than I do. <laughs> that's I don't think that's even uh, that's not even like the highest level guy that I've sparred. Uh, Come on. Yeah. I'm glad um, you enjoyed that burn. <laughs> Nicola, can you can you put together can you put together a rematch and this time you can be there and uh, and and then you can recap the whole thing to a rematch with you and Uriah. I'm too, together, I'm Nick. right now via Skype video. Maker. I'm looking at your nose and I do not yes. want to I don't want to do that to you. My nose isn't is an easy target, especially for a jab. But Nick, uh, I've, I've got that parry. I've got that slip to the jab. I don't know, Nikolai. I don't know. In any case, Nikolai. Next, we've got UFC 266, September 25th. Volkanovski versus Ortega headlining. Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy, which I think is fantastic. Whoa. Robbie Lawler versus is that a Nick presented Diaz. Pr I presented by Tiller. Yeah, I mean it's it's. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because they have very similar number of wins. But Nick, Nick, Nick Diaz has like significantly less losses. Uh, Nick is 26 and 9. Robbie Lawler is 28 and 15. But Robbie Lawler is the guy who's held the UFC title. In their first fight, Nick knocked Robbie Lawler out in the UFC. But love, Robbie Lawler is still the guy that won the UFC title and held it for a bit. Robbie Lawler's on a multi fight losing streak. Um, and and I, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating matchup. It's hard to know what to expect from either of these guys at this point in their careers. But we've also got 
Curtis Blades, Curtis Blades versus Rosenstrike coming up on that card, which I think is fantastic. Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica Andrade, which I think is a phenomenal flyweight matchup. We've got Marlon Marais versus Marab Devashvili, right? A big step up for Marab. And like Marais, it's put up or shut up time, essentially. Dan Hooker, Nazarat Hawkprost, another great opportunity for a young prospect against uh, a serious name who's been, you know, encountering some hard times. You mentioned Chris Dawkins versus Shamil Abdurahimov, which I'm excited about. Um, Mano Fiore uh, is coming back on that card, Nick. Uh, I just want to point out that some Nick Diaz, as much as I love him, the last fight, the only fight that he won in the UFC was against BJ Penn um, o- almost 10 years ago. I don't know how that's possible, but it is. Like when it, he, he beat BJ Penn and then lost a close decision to Condit and then lost to GSP. Wait, Nick... Nick Diaz from, has a bunch from of his UFC second stint winners. in the UFC against who? Nick Diaz. Oh, yes. uh, his second stint post Strike Force. You mean? Um, I didn't realize he fought. Oh my God, you're right. He fought BJ Penn in 2011. That was his second stint, not his. I think this was. Oh yeah, I guess and, you're right. And, and listen, I actually I think I had, I had yeah, no I'm wildly right. favoring Nick Diaz in this fight. Um. And he's one of my favorite fighters of all time who fought my favorite, who won my favorite fight, which is him and Paul Daly, um, the greatest single round uh, fight, I think, in MMA history. But Nick, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to say this. Nick Diaz has one win in the UFC in the last yeah. 15 years. But he hasn't, he has not taken the damage That's that Robbie crazy. Lawler has. And he wasn't his, and when he was successful, it wasn't fueled by no. likely by things that USADA renders moot. And the run that Robbie Lawler had was six years ago. And since that run, his fights against Magny Covington, you know, it almost like uh, Dos Anjos and, and Askren, except for like, you know, landing that one, one shot on Askren, like he's barely, he's barely landed a punch in four years. Yeah, he has not looked good in that Donald Cerrone fight that he did win back in 2017 could have gone either way, so that was super competitive, right? You're right. Ever since Tyron Woodley landed that right hand in the first round of that title battle in 2016, he looked the very, very exciting fight. I'd love to see when Usada started directly, but that that amazing war he had with Condit, both fighters showed such will, and his his fights with. His two, his fight with Roy Mc. I mean, as far as far as Roy back McDonald, to back, or, yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, you look at this guy, and I mean, the fight with Matt Brown was no easy thing, but the run, the run that he had from 2013, the first fight with Rory McDonald, through the fight with Condit, whatever it was fueled by, was absurd. But he has not looked. He has not looked like a guy who's a UFC okay. fighter since. No, I, I agree with you. I will say, though, he deserved that Ben Askren win clearly and by far. Um, oh, I shouldn't say he deserved that win, but he certainly didn't deserve to lose in that matchup. He was just smashing Askren, and Askren just like got a, got like this headlock, and Herb Dean stopped the fight. It was one of Herb Dean's weakest moments and allowed Askren to stay undefeated, for God's sake, in his UFC debut. It was just, just, oh, that, that one still hurts me. Now. It, yeah, it, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and look at that. won that fight had it continued, especially given everything we've seen. Yeah, but uh but listen, uh some things to look forward to on that card. Um obviously like not a whole lot of not a whole lot of mystery uh, when it comes to the co-main event 
that, but that's the case for basically every Valentina Shevchenko matchup. But that main event, Ortega versus Volkanovski, is intriguing, especially given all the trash talk back and forth. Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler is intriguing because we have no idea what to expect. Blaze yeah, versus Rosenstrike is, is gonna, an intriguing matchup. I have a feeling Blaze versus Rosenstrike is a great matchup. Really boring till it's not. But the main event, the main event is worth the main event's uh, worth the money. That's actually. I'm not fair. a huge fan of Moraes against Marab Devashvili for matchmaking. Why? Why you feel like uh, for Marais this is just this is just like he should get like a really weak opponent yeah. or something? Yeah, I think I, I do. I think I'd like to see some. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's in a good place. He hasn't looked real good. I uh, I don't. I'd like to see Devashvili ag- uh, against someone who I didn't think was broken. I will say this much. Um, Marlon Marais has been predominantly his chin. I think that's been the issue in his last couple of matchups. And Marab Devashvili hits pretty hard, but he's not very skilled standing still. And Marlon Marais's takedown defense is really solid, especially for the first couple of rounds. This is only a three-round fight. Um, I think this is not a bad test for Marab, but you're right. Like Marab's trek up that ladder is a little bit too slow. The guy made his debut probably like four or five years ago. Um, lately, he hasn't been fighting as frequently as as he should, but like he's got a couple of those like old names that don't belong in the top eight anymore on his record, but like hasn't really had the opportunity against actual top like six, yeah. top seven level competition. Yeah, I, yeah. I assume Marais is no longer in that range, but but yeah, I mean, there there are some great opportunities for young prospects, especially in that prelim card. You got Devashvili, Hawk Paras, yep. and Dacus, who are all uh, who are all getting opportunities against but Marlon Marais, Dan Hooker, and yeah. Shamil Abdur. The undercard, uh, largely though, undercard is heavily about mm-hmm. women's flyweight because you've got some interesting things going on. You've got, you know, I mean, Jessica Andrade probably isn't that close to a, a second title shot, but Cynthia Cavillo might be if she if she's able to defeat Andrade, which I don't think will happen. But but also. Yeah, I mean, she, she might just get a title Kelly shot with Santos, that win, honestly. Right, who just beat Molly McCann and Jillian Robertson. She's fighting Roxy Modafferi. That Kelly fight Santos. was supposed to happen previously. Um, and it's is happening. So can Roxy keep the gate against the surging, the surging prospect? But also, further down the card, on a card that has Valentina on it, they want us watching Menon Firo. Yep, uh, but also she's fighting Myra Maro Bueno Silva, who is like still a pretty serious prospect. Both of these girls are seven and one, right? So like, like she is legitimately no joke, and 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 I could see I could see her doing her thing against uh, Fiero as well. She might yeah, certainly her stiffest test a, uh, on paper, but I agree Fiero is something special. Fly, women's flyweight fights on this card, and I'm I'm going to be uh, looking forward to all of them. I agree. I'm actually uh, there's some there, there's some great strikers early in the card too. We've got uh, Matt Semmelsberger. Uh, going against Martin Sano in the second fight. And the first fight on the card is Jonathan Pierce against Omar Morales. That's going to be some exciting shit. Uh, so definitely like like entertainment value on this card, definitely high. I'm hoping that Shevchenko could do something with an aggressive Lauren Murphy. She tends to do well against aggressive opponents and, and look spectacular. Uh, I definitely think there's things to dive into here. Is this like a great pay-per-view? No. It's a pretty good one. It's got some some pretty intriguing matchups. So I'm going to look forward to it, especially given the the kind of hiatus uh, that, that, that we're experiencing leading up to this card with a week off. But yeah, it, it should be interesting. Looking forward to, uh, to seeing which one of us uh, breaks ahead after this card, Nikolai. As of right now, I am... I'm feeling Six pretty good. About, I'm feeling pretty ahead. good about my picks. I also um, haven't really point. lost much ground in the last couple of months. Um, and no, it's been uh, relatively competitive. I, I think you inched a couple of points up, and then I inched a couple of points. Yeah, uh, up, I and mean, what I will say about this paper review card, I'll say two weeks about it, and we're going to close up to him on the air for 17 hours. Is that um, 
I mean, it's it's the rare UFC Whoa. card where the main event is a real fight fans fight. You know, Volkanovski Ortega. We always talk about like somewhere on the yes. card, there's a Riddell versus Fizia. There's always something for us, right? Like, and and it just so happens that it's the main event. Yeah. Um. So I'm really really excited Agreed. for that. And stay really high level fight viewers uh, to get used to pretty faces because the plan is we'll see what happens for Stan and I to start putting out uh, this podcast via video um, in time for this card. So, uh, you know, get ready to control your uh, cells. <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm there with you and, and, and I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're like opportunity for sexual innuendo until the microphone is done quickly. I want to say the main event of that card, Nick Ortega versus Volkanovsky Volkanovsky's 22 and one Ortega's 15 and one. This is like a really high level matchup as you kind of alluded to already combined 37 and two. Like it's, it's an unbelievable, uh, main event. And honestly, the fight after that. Valentina Shevchenko, 21 and 3 versus 15 and 4, Lauren Murphy. Some really, really solid records. Uh, and, and that's always fun to watch considering you've got Robbie Lawler with 15 and losses and Nick Diaz with uh, we should nine also losses. State just the main event is between two guys who got pieced up by Max Holloway, except one of them one of them didn't get a loss for it. Uh, I'm kidding. Like I uh, know he, he didn't know I honestly thought, thought Holloway won the fight, but three. yes, Volkanovsky came back strong in, in three, four, and five. Whether or not he won three is TBD in my mind, but uh, and Ortega got blown out by Holloway. Yep. I mean, it it is determined, but but I can see how I can see how it's a super competitive uh, third round. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued with this new version of Ortega. Yeah, I'm gonna check out Jack Slack. So- Jack Slack wrote on Twitter. Jung. Jack Slack wrote on Twitter the other day. He's like, all right, I'm gonna start diving into uh, to Ortega, you know, Ortega zombie and Ortega tape to figure out if he really got that much better. And uh, so I'm curious what Jack. I'm curious what Jack Slack's yeah. perspective is on that. I'm Jack Slack is a. Uh, um, some people I know think that he's way that he's way too boxing uh, centric in his analysis, or, or favors boxing skills over other MMA skills. But I I tend to really like Jack Slack. Yeah. Yeah, he. I would say he's not an expert at breaking down like a grappling matchup, but he's great at at talking about um talking about the the dynamics of a striking matchup. Um, he doesn't really make picks, which like really d- removes a lot of the like pressure. Like we have to make uh, picks, right? Yeah, I can break down a matchup without even like he's a total like, you know, thinking twice. Okay. But picking, um, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, and and he and he's a guy like me, Nick, who uh, has been slowly uh, Jake Paul has been slowly growing on him, if only for the fact that he's pretending to fight for fighters' pay. So, uh, so I'm I'm in agreement with yeah. Jack Slack on at least a couple of. Uh, this is an age, this is an age of strange. That'll do it for this one. On Nick. that note, at the one one hour and forty minute mark, uh, we'll uh, we'll close down this very special extended episode <laughs> of of Anthony Smith versus Ryan. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that we're it doing. It's like a full two, hour, two hours long. It is yeah. the card right. that no nobody nobody is coming for, and we're yes, signing. Sir. <laughs> have a have a great night buddy <laughs>